Welcome to the Sensual Power Podcast. This is a podcast for women, AFAP people, and anyone looking to learn more about generational trauma, childhood trauma, narcissistic abuse, sacred sexuality, and healing any wounds around money, sex, relationships, self, and doing expansion work with that. Everything that I'm talking about is based on my own experiences of healing and the work that I do with my clients. Keep in mind, though, I am a cis white woman, so the views that I express do come with a sense of privilege, and if harm is done, I am always willing to repair harm, so please reach out if that happens. Otherwise, stay tuned and listen to your next episode right now. Welcome back to your Sensual Power Podcast. As always, I am your host, Valerie Schrader. Today, I want to dive into a very specific topic around spicy time. And that is for those of us that have grown up with narcissistic parents or emotionally unavailable, immature parents, and we find ourselves hyper fixating on our partners and the experience of our partners in spicy time, sex, right? So let's dive into this, and before I go really far into it, I do want to say a caveat here, because this always comes up when I talk about this with clients. When I'm talking about hyperfixating on our partners, the experience of our partners, the way they're reacting to us, right? I'm not talking about that in a way like we shouldn't care about our partner's experience, right? Of course we should. We want to care about our partner's experience. We want to feel available for them to let us know if they're enjoying it, you know, much like the rest of the relationship, right? The intimacy in the relationship can't be one-sided. Does it ebb and flow? Absolutely. It just depends on who is in need of what at the moment. And, you know, in any relationship that that shifts, that changes. It's never 50-50. It's constantly flowing. But what I notice is something that comes up a lot with my clients, and it's something that I used to do as well. Um, And anytime I talk to anybody that has grown up very similarly, especially for those of us that are women and AFAB, is a hyperfixation and focus on our partner's experience and it's not coming from a healthy place right it's not coming from that place of it just turns me on so much to see you turned on right that's hot that's amazing but that's not what we're talking about here what we're talking about here is this issue of worry about how your partner is perceiving the experience worrying about how they're perceiving you, right? Because what you're really worried about is, are they enjoying it? Am I making them feel good? Am I doing what's making them happy right now? And what's underneath that is, am I making them happy enough that they will stay, that they will love me, that they will continue to approve of me, right? And this is all done from a place of self-sacrifice. You know, there's a sacrificing of your own pleasure. Sometimes we allow ourselves to do sexual activities that we don't want to do in that moment. 
we're not really into or we're completely distracted from and disinterested in our own pleasure because what we're really trying to do is perform to make sure they are happy with us. They are comfortable with us. They are feeling good with us. If that's not happening, then a lot of times we start to feel very, very concerned and we start freaking out, right? And it can be to the point of where like, if you don't feel like your partner is giving you enough feedback or the the feedback that you want in an experience, you start to get really nervous and anxious and freak out a little bit, right? And it, it just becomes this endless cycle of trying to make them happy and then wondering why afterward you don't feel a whole lot of fulfillment. You don't feel really fully connected with them. Because what was going on there was a performance. It wasn't about you feeling safe and secure and and being present with them. It was about you trying to achieve a certain goal to make them happy. And, and more importantly, to make them love you still or like you or want to be with you. It's not uncommon that we hear about a lot of us or have even experienced ourselves utilizing sex as a way to either get partners or try to get partners or to keep them around, right? Using it as a way to develop intimacy. And I think the the important thing here to understand is that intimacy is so much more than sex. It's so much more than physical pleasure, right? There's emotional elements to that. There's mental and intellectual elements to intimacy. There's spiritual elements to that, depending on what you believe, um, if you believe, right? But there's still that. There's that connection to, you know, us in relation to the universe around us and, and the beings within that, right? There's experiential intimacy, where we're sharing in experiences of life with one another. And it's not just like the day-to-day living, but it can also be specific moments, right? You know, that moment where you're talking to somebody that you have a relationship with and you're like, remember that time we went on that trip and like, and this happened and then this happened, right? Those are forms of intimacy, But you need all of those elements of intimacy to build a relationship. You need all of those levels of intimacy to build true connection. So what a lot of us don't understand is that when we grew up where a lot of the the information that we learned about love and being loved and receiving love was very limited. And in general, like, I mean, nobody teaches us how to love. Nobody teaches us how to do that. We don't come into this world with a manual. And it's really funny, too. Um, if, if you've never read the book All About Love by Bell Hooks, I absolutely encourage you to read it. It's an amazing book. I'm a huge book nerd. I have literally created an entire Facebook group for people that are into healing, witchy shit, and books. So <laughs> a huge book nerd. I'm usually reading at least um, three books at a time. It's just how I roll. 
But one thing she talks about is that in there, like how, how little we actually learn about love. And it's something that I remember when I first read the book, I really thought about that because I had always felt like I had missed out on something due to the fact that I, I was very aware that my mom did not love me, that she hated me, quite frankly. Um, and friends of mine, you know, that have grown up like I have, clients of mine that have grown up like I have, maybe not, you know, having the exact same experiences, but they grew up with parents that were very, very conditional on their affection, their acceptance of them, right? Very conditional around the time. And oftentimes either they were playing caretaker to their parent or they were having to take care of themselves because their parents weren't doing it and or some mix of that. Or again, they were constantly being judged and criticized and picked at, right? Because nothing they could ever do was enough. Nothing was ever good enough. So a lot of us, I find, we, we kind of think like, Oh, wouldn't it have been great to learn what it was like to be loved, to be accepted, to be embraced, to feel secure in a good household? But the truth of the matter is very few of us, even in what we would constitute as good households, we, we don't come into this world knowing what love is. We don't have a definition for it, right? We, we can treat it like a feeling, but it, it, but it's actually something definable. It's an action and it, it is something definable. And there's elements to that, right? We need to feel safe. We need to feel secure. We need to feel cared for. We need to feel as if we matter. We need to feel supported. We need to feel engaged. And when you start removing those things, or even just one of those things, a need isn't met. And then when you start removing them a lot, right, and you put conditions on receiving praise and acceptance, when you start finding yourself being criticized and judged all the time, and then you get a bunch of messages mixed in there about relationships that are oftentimes very unhealthy because you, you're seeing the relationship you have with the parent that's doing this to you, right? It was where you're understanding that my value is very conditional. My worth is very conditional based on what you decide it gets to be. We put those messages together in our heads and then compile them with any ways that we see our parents or caregivers interact with one another or other people that they're in relationships with, right? And we learn. You know, I, I find a lot of us, again, most of us women in AFAB that grew up with moms that were like this, they play into a lot of those patriarchal games uh, and practices of judging other women, of of judging them in relation to how they dress, how they act, the type of relationship they have or don't have, right? There's just so much there and it's so harmful and toxic. It's so toxic, but we learn it and we pick it up. So what does it all teach us? 
It teaches us that love is conditional. That receiving acceptance, being embraced, mattering, having value, right? All of these things and more are conditional. And so we feel like the only way to receive any of that is to perform just right, to be just right, to be perfect, which means oftentimes not having very many needs of our own, if any, and making sure that the person that we're with is completely satisfied with us and really showing it. And I mean really showing it. I remember times being with partners, you know, before I really did a lot of work on myself and you know, maybe I was performing some kind of sexual act with them or on them. And if I, if I noticed that they weren't reacting as strongly as I would, and it doesn't mean that they weren't having a good time, but, you know, like, we all react <laughs> differently. Like, um, I mean, let's be honest. Like, we've all had those moments where, like, something feels so good that it just makes you feel really relaxed. And, like, you're just in the moment and you're feeling it. And it doesn't mean that, like, you're making all these moaning sounds and be like, oh, my God, this feels so fucking amazing. But it's just, like, you're in it, right? <laughs> right? But, but I took things like that as a sign because I wasn't getting the big verbal reaction because I was grew up not really getting any great verbal praise from my mom. I remember feeling like they're not really into it. So it's like, do I need to change things up or do something more, right? Or again, like there'd be times where a partner would want to try something or want to do something. And it's not that I was completely against it, right? I just maybe wasn't in the mood for it. And I feared speaking up and saying, hey, I'm not really... I'm not really feeling that right now. Maybe I'm not feeling sex in general, right? Maybe I'm not feeling much of anything right now in the way of sexual intimacy. But, you know, I would go along with it because they, they wanted to and had to do it was necessary to make them happy because in the background of my mind, there was this message, if you don't, they're not going to love you. Because I was basing my worth and ability to be loved and accepted and received on performing acts of pleasure for them, which just related to when I was little, like, did I perform well? And obviously it wasn't sexual, but it was, you know, did I perform well by being quiet, by not complaining, right? That was a big one for me. I, I was in performing arts since the time I was young. Um, and then if you've been listening for a while, you know I worked as a performing artist for a long time. I worked as a professional aerialist um, and dancer. But, um, you know, I was into art and things like that. If I did better on those things, there was a chance of getting some praise. And the sad part about it is there was never praise that felt like it was truly directed at me, like truly accepting of me. It just felt more like 
I had done something to be in her good graces at that moment. Something that she could be proud of herself for. So it's like you can see when you, when you take a behavior like that, when you take a thought process like that, and then you keep it going because, you know, again, there wasn't like I was getting any therapy to help with this. Like I, I'd only done therapy for a very short time when I was younger. Um, but I wasn't getting any, anything to help with this. And, you know, for my dad's part in that, he was just so unaware of how bad things were. He knew something was wrong. He absolutely knew something was wrong, but I wouldn't talk to him about it. Big part of that was I wasn't allowed to, but also I was just so shut down. I was afraid to speak up. And it had become so normalized to me to live this way and to be this way that I just accepted. You know, and even if he did try to reach out to my mom and be like, hey, I'm concerned or whatever, there there was nothing there. No, no support, no admission. And why would there be, right? She's the one doing it. So he was kind of in the dark and there was no real help or support there. So with this, it just created a pattern within me and it happens again all the time. I see clients go through this so often where they in in those moments of intimacy like they allow things to happen that they they really aren't into they're or at, into at the moment right it may be not into it at all or into it in the moment or you know again they're they're so hyper concerned about the person on the receiving end of their pleasure that they completely forgo any experience of pleasure themselves. And because that is being used as a way to attempt to be loved, attempt to be accepted, attempt to be received by this person, usually afterward, there's a lot of feelings of blah, you know, there's some emptiness and some sadness. And this is something I experienced, my clients have experienced, friends that have experienced this, you know, the same type of situations they've experienced. There's so much sadness on the other side of it because it is all connected to feeling like they don't matter. What they want and need doesn't matter. What matters more is getting that other person to love and accept them. But there's not any true connection with that. There's not any deeper connection because again, you're just performing. You're not being you. And outside of that, it's often a reflection of how we approach relationships like this, right? We, we tend to push ourselves into trying to be what we think another person wants us to be. We don't speak up if there's something we don't like or we need or we want, right? There's no boundaries there because we don't even know how to set a boundary or truly what a boundary is in those moments. And it just creates a lot of disconnect and then we feel lonelier and lonelier inside and sadder because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we're truly seen and accepted and known and we want that. But at the same time, we don't really have a healthy and or 
<laughs> solid way of receiving that. And a lot of times it scares the shit out of us because again, there's the fear that if, if we're really known, if we get really vulnerable, if we really admit we don't want things or we don't like things or we need things or if we admit who we are, what we've experienced, right? There's the fear of what if they reject that? Because we already know what it's like to be rejected. We've been getting rejected since we were little, right? And a lot of us, like, we can remember from very, very young ages that feeling of rejection. It happens to us all the time, and we just don't, we don't know what to do with that. We don't know how to get through that. So we struggle, and we keep struggling until we finally decide maybe there's got to be something better, except it's hard, because it means we have to forego those behaviors, And start working on ourselves. We have to start healing that. And understanding that our value is is not solely coming from how happy we're making a partner. How much pleasure we're giving them. Sexually or otherwise, right? And, And a partner can't just love us simply because we do all the things that we think they want us to do or we make them feel as much pleasure as we think they want right there has to be more in my own experience and the experience of many of my friends or whatever like had this idea of like we're really great in bed and if we're like this super agreeable partner you know we say things like you know we're into certain things we're we're into certain activities and hobbies and music and whatever. And if we never really, like, complain about anything or we, we keep everything to a minimum, right? And we always put them first. We always do what they want, right? We never have an opinion of our own. We think that it's going to get us what we want. And a lot of times it doesn't. I, I can remember very often times, like, going on a dates with somebody giving in to sex when I didn't want, really trying to make sure it was all about them, to make sure they liked me, you know, agreeing with them or pretending to be into what they're into and, and just being this super, you know, bubbly, sparkly person for them. I remember doing that over and over again and then wondering why there was no real connection there. Because they didn't know me. I wasn't even giving them the opportunity to know me, to connect with me, to feel really invested in who I was as a person. And I wasn't really getting to know them either or really truly connecting with them. I was just doing what I thought they wanted so that I could make them happy. You know, and I'm not saying that all of these people were, you know, missed opportunities of these great relationships because a lot of them weren't that great either. But like, The bigger issue here is I wasn't allowing myself to be me. And again, so many of my clients have been there. So many friends have been there. Because we learned when we were younger that what we thought, who we were, what we wanted, what we felt, it didn't matter. It just didn't matter to the same level as what our parent or parents or caregivers wanted and thought and felt, right? Everything had to be about them. 
everything had to be about how they felt, how they thought, right? We were meant to be seen and not heard, sometimes not even seen. We were never meant to question them. We were never meant to want anything for ourselves. We had to perform the way they wanted. We had to dress the way they wanted. We had to do everything at the the way that they wanted in the level that they wanted in order to either get crumbs of acceptance that really then were turned into their accomplishments. A lot of my clients, if they did any type of sport or performing art or artistic thing or whatever, or they were good in school, right? It was never our parents being proud of us. For us, it was used as a bragging tool. Look what my child did, right? Look what my daughter did. It, it was always that. It was never about us. So we learned to just never see anything that we did in this world as having anything to do with us. We were just meant to be these little, little perfect robots that performed the way that our parent or parents wanted. And when we couldn't live up to that, because that's not realistic, right? We learned that we truly didn't matter. That the value of ourselves that we may have felt at one point was not worth anything, right? Our value was completely contingent on them and therefore we just started to feel like, well, fuck it. Here we are. So that's what happens to a lot of us. And then again, we start dating, we get into relationships, right? And we find ourselves doing these activities over and over again, not realizing, oh shit. Of course this relationship isn't what I want it to be because I'm not even fully in this relationship. I'm still just trying to prove that I'm worthy of being loved, but I'm not actually allowing this person to know me and I'm not fully invested in them either. And if you're listening to this and you're starting to have that realization, I want you to know like you're not a bad person, okay? Because a lot of times when we recognize that we've done this, yes, it feels very manipulative, very using behavior. It is, and, right, and here's the caveat to this, because this is how we've learned to be. We've adapted to the same behaviors of our parents or parent, caregiver, right? We've done this over and over So, of course, we keep doing this. Of course, we keep finding ourselves in these situations. Or, you know, we've been in a long-term relationship and we're finding ourselves just completely disconnected, dissatisfied, because we're realizing there's, there's not the deeper connection. It's not reciprocal in any way. And on some level, it's not us. We've, we've, you know, we've just been performing a role because we've learned to do it since we're kids. So how do we work through this? Well, this is where doing some deeper work to understand where this all comes from, when it happened, like, right? 
when we started to do this, when we really started to pinpoint this behavior, um, we started doing that. Then we have to look at all of that and understand and start to work on what do we like about ourselves? What do we love about ourselves? Can we start to develop some inner value? Because it's really hard to allow someone in and to to let somebody love you and to value you and to stand up for yourself or speak up for what you want and don't want when you don't have a whole lot of value in ourselves. So we have to start working on that on some level. And in conjunction with that, we have to start testing the waters of, of getting comfortable, maybe saying like, hey, your pleasure does matter too, but my pleasure also matters, right? My, my pleasure gets to also be important here. And keeping in mind, like, again, if you're a woman or AFAB, like, our entire society has been built on either denying the very existence of our pleasure. Like, for years it was just taught, and in some instances it's still taught, that women or people assigned female at birth just don't have orgasms. It's not a real thing, which it's completely false and untrue, right? Like, and a sad, sad lie to be telling. But we have to start looking at, like, how do we allow ourselves to start connecting, really connecting? And and then also start separating out, like, if somebody is getting upset with us because we're saying, hey, no, I don't want to do that tonight, or no, I'm not into that, right? And we start showing ourselves that it doesn't mean that we're a problem. It just means that we're not aligned with that person or... Maybe the person's an asshole, right? Sometimes it can be we're not aligned and sometimes it can also be that they are just a fucking asshole and they're not our person and that's okay. But we have to start allowing ourselves to do that, which means while we're starting to speak up, while we're starting to let ourselves shine through and then not making it so performative when we are with somebody but also pleasure-based on both accounts, right? Truly being intimate with a person. We have to start working on feeling the self-acceptance, the self-value, the self-love, all of the things, so that we don't keep doing this to ourselves. And that way we can, you know, maybe, just maybe, allow ourselves to have a relationship that's more honest, more vulnerable, more genuine, more reciprocal right and that may be with somebody you're currently with or it may be somebody new it just depends we have to start doing that so if you're listening to this and you're like damn I got some work to do because I realize I do this all the time and now I kind of understand why I do it and why I always feel kind of bummed out after sex with somebody or right or just don't feel that connection right? Get some help. (laughs) Get some work on this because you definitely don't need to be handling these things alone. Um, Reach out for support. There are links in the show notes about how to work with me. I also have some self-guided courses 
So for those of you that maybe aren't looking to do like a whole coaching situation or whole work situation on this, but, but you realize you can do some of this work on your own. Um, I have self-guided courses for this stuff. And the great part about them is they still have a community aspect because we have free community group that's attached to it. So you can still reach out for support. You can ask questions, share what you're struggling with, be seen. Um, so there's a lot of that in there. But if you're wanting something, you know, a little bit deeper, that's available too. So reach out for support. Start to work on, you know, asking yourself those questions of like, okay, when did I first learn to do this? Why did I learn to do this? What do, what do I need to heal here? What, 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 is, what do I need to do to start developing some more inner love, some more inner value so that I can actually allow myself to receive that from somebody else? And what, what do I need to do to feel safe and comfortable speaking up when I don't want something and to, and to make sex more, you know, focused on the experience of connecting, the intimacy, the pleasure, right? There's a whole lot more on that. I'm going to do tons more topics on this or tons more conversations on this around intimacy and sex and love. So make sure you're also subscribed, leave me a note, you know, tell me how you, how this resonated with you, leave a review, share this with somebody that you think could hear it as well. Maybe it'll open up some conversations that probably need to have it either with somebody you're with, or maybe there's a friend or somebody that like, you know, you're both struggling with relationships and dating and, you know, open some more conversation, right? Do all the things. So I hope that this helps. And again, I'm here for support if you need it and when.